Good morning, everyone. I am Grant Swanson. I am one of the interns here at Urban Village, and I'm going to be preaching today. Woo! So let's go ahead and pray together. God, you were present in the beginning, in the before, in the deep, the void, the chaos. You are present in the void, the deep, and chaos in our lives today. And you are present here with us this morning. Let us hear the things you want us to hear and the lives and actions you want us to lead. Amen. So, the topic today, wonder amidst the unexpected, wonder amidst pain and difficulty. When I saw this topic, uh, it struck a very personal and relevant chord for me. Um, as some of you may or may not know, on Sunday, February 18th, during the second service, Connor and I will hi Connor, be having a uh, wedding ceremony here. Um, so will be the sacrament of the day, which is very exciting. Uh, we are very excited. It's going to be a joyful event of union between the two of us, a proclamation of love, and also a commitment of community together with this community that we've grown to love and be family with. But amidst this time that should be only joyful, um, there has actually been a lot of heartache um, as Family, particular family and friends have chosen this opportunity to be a time to stand against our love and to uh, state that they are opposed to same-sex marriage. Uh, some of these family and friends were expected uh, and some were unexpected. Um, so this really, the last few months have really been punctuated with moments of hopelessness, lament, and uh, often feelings of depression. So when originally asked about this topic, where do I find hope and wonder amidst heartache and difficulty? I found myself drawing inward and feeling confused and having doubt. And I, I didn't know how I was going to come forward today and have something to say that would be genuine, authentic, and wonder-filled. So with my confusion and doubt, I started to immerse myself in this week's scriptures. And we'll, we'll see what, what I found and see what we can find together. Uh, Bethann did a wonderful job of reading for us, but I'm going to read out different chunks and then think through it together. So um, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Darkness, chaos, void, waters, Raw materials, these are all descriptors related to what existed before God began the process of creation. In this primordial state, creation and newness were not even yet a possibility. They were unthinkable and unknowable. In this sense, there is a hopelessness amidst this nothingness, this void, this chaos, this lack of imaginative possibility. 
In this description of the primordial world, before anything existed but a deep void, there is a correlation with the times in our lives when chaos and hopelessness seem like the only possibilities, like the only force in the world that can exist or have victory. In this time, lament seems to be the only form of worship, the only form of being that makes sense. When crying out to God and asking why is the only conversation with God that makes sense or that we can think about engaging with. But in this time of hopelessness and chaos and primordial void, the wind of God suddenly swept through the face of the deep and its waters. God was present in God's triune fullness. God the parent and creator, God the creative Holy Spirit, and God the word, Logos, or Jesus Christ, as we know from John 1, 1 through 2, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. God and God's triune fullness is moving amidst the chaos, stirring up the void, sparking the imagination of creation and newness amidst the void and amidst the chaos of our lives. Moving into verse 3 through 5. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. In this scripture passage, light was created from chaos. Chaos and light coexisted. They were not binary opposites, nor were they mutually exclusive. In fact, God actually had to separate the two in order to make them distinct. They are from the same origins. From nothing came something. From chaos came order. There was a time of lament, a time of hopelessness, a time of nothingness. And God was within that time for a literal eternity before. In this text, after it says that light was defined and created from the chaos, chaos did not cease to exist. Chaos continued to reign in balance with light and order. And that balance seems necessary to the thriving of this created world. One cannot reign over the other. One scholar I read stated that instead of creating a dynamic of a world where light and order are constantly combating chaos, God created a porous space in the midst of chaos in which humans live in relationship with what they cannot control, what is uncontrollable where light and order can filter in and ignite creation. Chaos and order, hopelessness and new life. They equally define the lives and spaces we exist within. Because in the interplay between these two core essences of the world we live in, creation and newness is possible. Hope is possible. From the eternal void, newness emerges. That is the promise of creation. That is the promise from our creator, God. Verses 5 through 8 and 29, 31. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome, and it was so. 
God called the dome sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that God had made, and indeed, it was very good. Here, we see God creating. Sky and seas, morning and night, plants and animals, fruits and vegetables, soil and water, birds and insects, a circle of life, our planet, our home, our everything, and all of it was good. All of it was created to make the world even more good. All of it is good. All of it is precious and beloved. And all of it was formed from the chaos and nothingness that came before. God continued to create, to rework, to reconfigure, to make more good from the nothing that was before. But God did not undergo this process of creation and recreation on God's own. God worked with God's creation to create. God from the beginning was a co-laborer with God's creation. His scholar Terence E. Freitheim helps me to outline this in four ways. First, God used raw materials, movements, and spaces in creating, whether that be the void, the wind, or breath of God's spirit, or the dirt of the earth. Later in the creation story, Genesis 2-7, God is described as a human bending over, digging God's hands into the dirt, getting earth underneath God's fingernails, and creating human beings. Humans were created out of what was already created, earth, dirt, a recreation, a regeneration. Second, God calls upon the agency and ability of the already existing creatures in order to bring about new creation. In Genesis 1, 11 through 13, God invites the earth to bring forth new creation, and the response is literally that, that the earth brought forth. The earth is the subject of the creating verb. God is not establishing a unilateral and hierarchical creation process. Instead, God is creating and then empowering God's creations to utilize their agency and creativity to go forth and create. The story of the creation has been repeated throughout time as new creatures have come into being by the regenerative processes of other creatures, from glaciers to volcanoes, these texts witness to divine self-limitation and letting the world create itself. God rests as we see on the seventh day or Sabbath day when, when the Lord steps back and enables the creatures to become co-creators in the world. As a result, this story makes it clear that all of creation has creation as a vocational responsibility and possibility. We are co-creators with God, as is the world around us, just as the first humans and first creation were co-creators with God. Third, in verses 26 and 27, God invites a plural group to help him in, in the creation of humankind. There is much debate between scholars as to who this plural group could reference. Who could it be? Is it the direct reference to the triune nature of God? 
even though that's inconsistent with the singular references to God in the rest of the story. Are they minor gods or a group of angels? Is it a collection of all animals, plants, and creations of earth brought together for communal decision-making? Either way, God decides <laughs> to create humans in, quote, our image, our likeness, end quote. Not only does this hour show that God is by nature a social being functioning within a community that is rich and complex, God creating communally, but it shows that genuine interaction and interdependence are characteristics of God's creative activity. Furthermore, this demonstrates that humans and all creation are made in the image of God. Not only do we share in the vocational role of co-creation with God, but we actually embody the image of God in the world. Finally, God continues to involve humans in the acts of creation. In Genesis 2-5, God recognizes that humans will be essential in the continued creation, transformation, and wellness of the world. God invites us to be a part of the process of creation that moves the world toward being ever more increasingly good. It also makes it clear that in denying our vocational responsibility to create and transform the world toward wellness and wholeness, we actively participate in making the world less good. If we need examples, all we have to do is observe our political climate, global climate change, mass extinction, and the lack of care and concern for another's well-being and humanity all around us. God's creation is established amidst nothingness and chaos in order for newness and order to seep in, spark creation and wonder within us, and for our lives, our cities, and our world to be transformed. Our world and ourselves are not finished products. We have been given a beautiful, wonderful, and broken world that is dynamic and open to creation from chaos into order, from hopelessness into newness, from not good to good, and all of this stems from the origins of nothingness and chaos. In this story, God demonstrates a promise and a hope for us, that creation and goodness come from the difficulty and chaos of our lives because we are co-creators with God, because the pain and hopelessness of our lives is not what defines our lives, but what spurs us into creative acts towards new life, a just life, a better life. Amidst the chaos and difficulty in our lives, God is a co-laborer with us, trying to work with us to make something that is new, good, and wonderful. Full disclaimer, this does not justify the pain and suffering of the chaos. This does not mean that hopelessness, chaos, and pain are something good, something that we should seek, revel in, or cause us in action toward the suffering of ourselves or suffering of others. That is not the point. The point is entirely opposite. The point is that God is active and present with God's creation. God is engaged with the pain and chaos, denouncing the hopelessness by empowering us to find a way to resist through new creation. But finding a way to create beauty and wonder amidst absence and disunity. 
God breathed into us the breath of life at creation. The word used for breath in Genesis 2-7 is the same word used for the wind that blew over the waters of the deep in Genesis 1-2. We have literally been filled with the Spirit of God, participating in the triune dance of God so present in this text. We are not only called to marvel and wonder at the creative possibility amidst nothingness and chaos, but to be co-creators with God, with agency and power. And this calls us to pause and wonder. What is God calling us to co-create that is new and good amidst the chaos of our lives? What powers of resistance and just-filled actions have been initiated or reinvigorated? What is the wonder and beauty of creation that rises from the chaos and despair we see all around us? And this brings me back to, to the pain and, and the lament um, that I have been experiencing and witnessing these last few months, to the abandonment of, of, of family and friends in this time of joy and unity and love. And it brings me back to the question, where is the hope? Where is the wonder? Because in the hopelessness and chaos of this situation, the pain and injustice is undeniable. But also, what I've realized is that in the pain and the chaos, I have witnessed and participated in new creation. New family found, created, and transformed with this community here at Urban Village Church. I wonder and marvel at the beauty of this beloved community and the love it has demonstrated. And that is the creation of hope and order that has come from the pain and chaos in my life. This does not null the pain or justify the injustice around me, but it does transform my life from being defined by this pain and injustice towards a life of increasing wholeness and resistance from the creation of family and community here at UVC and the support and love we have found, God has led me on a journey toward finding my voice that God has given me, to speak truth to power, to stand up against the death-dealing voices of oppression that the church and the world far too often uses to marginalize and commit violence against the LGBTQ community, communities of color, immigrants, women, and devastatingly list goes on and on. We have a clear indication from this story of creation that God is continuing to create in collaboration with us and with all of creation. We are called to continually diversify, elaborate, and expand God's creation into new and transformative forms that prohibit a potential monopoly and supremacy of chaos and despair. We, the hurting, we, the marginalized, we, the followers of Christ, we are the resistance to a reign of hopelessness and chaos in the world. We are the resistance to a lack of imagination, creativity, love, and hope. We are the disciples through which God can create newness and transform the world by the power of the Holy Spirit to make the world more good. And for me, this creation, this resistance, this hope 
It is only possible with the loving support and familial home of a place and community like Urban Village Church, Wicker Park. I just want to thank you so much for being that community of support and strength for Connor and me during this time. And as we continue to live...